I, you guys, if you've heard me preach here at Meadows Church before, you know that I have to start off always by force-feeding upon you my takes on sports, entertainment, things of the like. And so I need to ask a question. How many of you here, and you better be careful, you might just lie about this. I'm not, I don't often encourage lying, but how many of you have seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy? Come on, raise your hands. All right. All right, if you haven't seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I need you to find God, okay? <laughs> but no, I, here's my hot take. Here's the forced, uh, the forced take that I'm going to bring to you today is that the Lord of the Rings trilogy is the best film trilogy of all time. A amen, yeah. Praise God for Lord of the Rings. It's great. One of my favorite aspects of Lord of the Rings, which I have on pretty much every single day of the week as background noise as I get to work from home, which is a great privilege to me, I've come to appreciate the underrated comedy that's within Lord of the Rings, right? And one of the, the most contentious relationships in this film trilogy is between Samwise and another character who I'll talk about in a second here. But at one point in the movie The Two Towers, which is the second movie of the trilogy, Samwise quips, what's that horrid stink? I'd warrant there's a nasty bog nearby. And the nasty bog that he's smelling is not a nasty bog, is it? If you've seen the movies, you know exactly who it is. We'll throw him up on the screen. That's who it is. He smells so bad, he thought it was a nasty bog. And I always thought that was so funny. But what's even funnier is the way that Smeagol gets him back later on. He calls him a stupid fat hobbit, right? You know? So he gets him back. They have this fighting relationship throughout the whole thing. But I say that to let you know, like, Samwise could smell Smeagol throughout the, you know, the course of when he was following him without them knowing. You are always being followed. Whether you think it, whether you know it, whether you like it or not, you are being followed. You're setting an example for somebody to follow. Could be your kids, could be your spouse, could be your coworkers, your friends, your siblings, people you go to school with, whatever it may be, you are setting an example for somebody to follow. And one of the greatest examples, I think, in Scripture of what it looks like, or at least on paper, what it means to follow is is a scripture verse that I see every, almost every single day. And I think about it every single day because I see it almost every single day, which, by the way, good habit to have. If you want to remember something, put it in front of you so that you see it all the time. But I'm part of a purpose group here at Meadows Church. If you don't know what that is, those are our discipleship groups here at Meadows Church. It's, it's me and three other guys, and we get in the Word together. We hold each other accountable. We have weekly and daily action items. We share observations from Scripture together. But this right here is my purpose journal where I write down notes that I get from things that I'm learning in Scripture. And at the bottom of every other page is this verse, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, which says, as you can see on the screen, Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. And I want to ask us the question today, are you somebody worth following? Right? Are you somebody worth following? And along with that verse, follow me as I follow Christ, the second part is the most important, obviously. We have to be following Jesus. And I believe the closer you are to Jesus, the more like him you become. And you become somebody worth following. But before we can be somebody worth following, we got to understand something. And if you're writing stuff down, go ahead and write this down. If you're not writing stuff down, go ahead and write this down, okay? We're not called to be fans of Jesus. We're called to be followers of Jesus. We're not called to be fans of Jesus. 
we're called to be followers. And you might be wondering, why the heck is the guy preaching the message at church wearing a Michael Jordan jersey, right? And you might realize that, hey, I'm not Michael Jordan. You know how you can tell that I'm not Michael Jordan? Because I have hair, right? (laughs) Obviously. I mean, that's the obvious biggest difference between us. But no, I'm a huge fan of Michael Jordan. I would say I'm a casual fan of the Chicago Bulls, a little bit of a Fairweather fan, but I could name you some players on the team, which is, is significant enough. But I'm a fan of Michael Jordan. I'm not Michael Jordan. That's obvious, right? I can wear the jersey. It doesn't make me Michael Jordan. It doesn't even necessarily make me part of the Bulls, right? I mean, I might be able to sneak into the stadium if you've watched those kind of YouTube videos before, but I don't play for the Chicago Bulls. I'm not Michael Jordan. And I think the same principle or the same logic can be applied in our walk of faith, right? We can be fans of Jesus, but we're not necessarily following him. We're not necessarily getting in the game. You might have the cool, trendy bumper sticker. You might have, remember those little metal fish that went on the back of vehicles? You might have those things. You might have cool sayings on the walls of your home. You might even have scripture tattooed on your body, right? I mean, if you're really, if you're really big into this, right, you might even have it tattooed in a different language. I'm just saying. You might have scripture tattooed in a different language. You could be the loudest voice on social media, right? The loudest voice for Jesus possible. But guess what? Non-believers, the people that we're meant to be reaching, and maybe that's some of you here today, but non-believers... They can discern the difference very easily between a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. Non-believers understand it. Why? Because they recognize the Holy Spirit. We're meant to. It's written in our DNA. We're meant to be able to recognize the Holy Spirit, and non-believers understand the difference between a fan and a follower of Jesus. So what do we have to do to become a true follower of Jesus, right? To not just be wearing the jersey, to not just be representing from the stands, but to truly get down on our feet and follow. Well, I have a couple things. I want to put them up on the screen for you. It means daily surrender. Daily surrender is required to be a follower of Jesus. It means you got to choose a master. It means that you're part of a body of believers, which, congratulations, here you are today, a body of believers together. But it means that you also have a specific role to play within that body, right? When we say it here at Meadows Church all the time, you have a God-given purpose. That's right. And here at Meadows, just like Pastor Monty just told us, we've had over 700 people give their lives since 2017 to following Jesus. I mean, can we give God more praise for that? That's crazy. But here's a bit of a sobering thought. How many people are in the room right now? How many people are going to be here over the course of the day today? There's not 700 different people that come to Meadows Church over the course of a month. So why is that? Where are those people? Are they spread around Omaha and the surrounding area just living out their God-given purpose and we don't know about it? Are they living lives of obedience? Maybe they are. But what I know is that we've had over 700 people give their lives to Jesus here at this church Many people had already dedicated and devoted their lives to following Jesus before this church was planted. And there's not all of them. It's not 100% that they're following Jesus. And that's crazy, and it's sobering. But why? Why does that happen? Well, because surrender is hard. Choosing the right master is hard. Following Jesus and being somebody worth following, man, it's hard. And so I just want to validate you in that today. Like if you've committed your life to following Jesus and you're like, man, this, 
this is, this, it's been so much tougher, I feel like. I just want to validate you in that and, and know that you're not alone, that you're not alone in, in feeling that difficulty. But I need, to, I need to point something out. Salvation, it's not about doing. So don't get it, don't get it twisted. I'm not telling you, hey, you gotta, you got to earn your salvation by works. you got to do all these things. No, salvation isn't something that you can earn or do, but salvation is surrender. You can't earn your salvation, but you are called to righteous living. And there's tons of scripture to back that up, but man, I, I told you about my purpose group journal and the reading that we're doing. I feel like God just kind of laid, he, he gave me an alley-oop, right? He gave me an alley-oop on the scripture for this week. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to Romans chapter six. Romans is my, arguably my favorite book in the Bible. You hate to pick favorites when it comes to the Bible, but man, it is good, and it is refining, and it is pruning, and it's a heart check every single time I read it. But Romans chapter six is so rich in terms of this concept of being a follower of Jesus and being somebody worth following. So if you got that pulled out on your phone or your Bible that you brought or looking on the screen, I want to start in verse 10 from chapter 6. For by his sacrifice, that's Jesus, he died to sin's power once and for all. I mean, that's worth celebrating, isn't it? He died to sin's power once and for all for every single one of us. But he now lives continuously for the Father's pleasure. So let it be the same way with you. Since you're now joined with Jesus, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with the anointed one, Jesus. Are you living for the pleasure of the Father or the flesh? Are you believing in your mind that you're a follower of Jesus when maybe at best you're a fan, right? Still obedient to your sinful nature. I know that's been a struggle for me throughout the course of my life, and, and it continues to be a struggle for something that I'll tell you in a little bit here, but man, it, it's got to be something that's, that's personal to you. Your walk with Jesus, it's we're a body of believers, but man, we're called to things individually. We have a specific role. We have a specific purpose. We're meant to live for the pleasure of the Father. We're meant to live for the pleasure of the Father. He goes on in verse 16. Don't you realize that grace frees you to choose your own master, but choose carefully, for you surrender yourself to become a servant bound to the one you choose to obey. If you choose to love sin... It will become your master, and it will own you and reward you with death. But if you choose to love and obey God, he will lead you into perfect righteousness. How many of you know that choosing to love and obey God involves us doing something, right? It's not just something you can think in your mind or a jersey that you can wear. It's something that you actively do. You're called to righteous living. you got to choose not to just wear the jersey and be a fan, but get in the game and live it out. And Paul goes on to tell us, and I want you to, I, I encourage you to read Romans on your own. Read Romans chapter 6. I mean, it's just full of stuff. And take notes on, personalize it to yourself. But there was other things that really stood out to me that I wrote down in my purpose journal. Like Paul, he, he tells us that obedience has to go heart deep, right? Jesus Christ is perfect righteousness. We can't earn that. No matter how good we are in this earth, we can't ever earn perfect righteousness. But what did I say earlier? The closer you get to Jesus, the more like him you become, right? Choosing to follow and obey God means that 
you've got to at least realize that you're on a team. You're part of a team, right? You play for the Bulls, do you feel me? As followers of Jesus Christ, you're on that team. You have a specific role to play. You're not meant to be the fan in the seats screaming at players for missing shots or, or not making the right pass or stepping on the line when they should have not. They should have known where they were on the court or criticizing the coach for not teaching the team the right way or calling the right plays or calling the timeouts when he should or getting a technical foul and all these things. You know what I'm saying? We're part of a team. You're on the team. You're not the fan in the stands that's telling the team how it's done. Most of our church, most of the church at large, I should say, the problem is, is that we got a lot of fans of Jesus. We don't have as many followers as we necessarily should, right? We'd rather ride those successes of somebody else and, like I said, scream from the stands. But understand something. When you become a follower of Jesus, I believe this with all my heart, the ball is in your court, When you become a follower of Jesus, man, the ball is in your court. And it's not even a question of whether or not you want to be somebody worth following, right? When you decide that you're going to follow Jesus, immediately you become somebody that's supposed to be worth following. You become somebody that's meant to set an example. The ball is in your court. But nothing's going to change unless you change. Nothing's going to change unless you change. You've got to take the ball and do something with it. And us as Christ followers, man, we're called to repentance, We hear that word maybe a lot in church or you've heard it growing up or you've read it in scripture and you wonder to yourself like, what does repentance even actually mean? Is that just like going and confessing my sins and and that's it? It's kind of like washes the guilt away. Repentance means recognizing, seeing, and knowing in your mind as well as admitting, confessing with your mouth that you've been going the wrong direction, right? And if I'm walking this direction and I realize, oh my gosh, I'm going the wrong way. I'm recognizing that. What has to happen next? You gotta turn around. And you gotta go the other way. Because as Pastor Monty has told us before, life is kind of a conveyor belt and we're just kind of naturally drifting this way. So even if we're facing this way, you see where I'm going? You have to actively take steps toward following Jesus every single day. Repentance. Going the other way. Walking with, walking with Christ it requires humility, it requires patience, it requires diligence, and it requires consistency. And I can't think of a better verse to kind of illustrate that than Proverbs 21, verse 5, which says, steady plotting brings prosperity. Notice what it doesn't say. That's one of my favorite things to do as I break down and observe scripture. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say steady plotting occasionally brings prosperity. It doesn't say occasional steady plodding brings prosperity. It's as straightforward as it gets. You plod, prosperity is going to come. Amen? And steady plodding is not easy. I want to acknowledge that again. It's a simple concept, difficult to execute, and there's no instant gratification with it, right? I mean, it's new year, new you time, isn't it? Everybody's setting goals for the new year, things that they want to do differently, And a lot of people have even set really good targets, really good goals. They've set really good goals, but guess what? If you don't steadily plod, man, you're never going to reach that place that you want to be. And I think as much as our relationship with Christ is not necessarily something that we should be, oh, oh, I've been, I, I read the whole Bible this past year, and I was in three different life groups, and I was in a purpose group, and I did, it's not something to be lorded over other people. But at the same time, if you feel like you've ever plateaued in your relationship with Jesus, think about a flat line. 
when somebody's losing their life. Your, your walk with Jesus, it may have huge highs, may have some lows, but if you're going like this, at least, and you're climbing upwards towards him and closer to him, you know that your relationship with him is at least alive and not dead. Amen? So I, I thought of, in this topic of consistency and setting the example and being somebody worth following, of course, like I think about my parents. And, and my parents have been such an amazing influence to me over the course of my life. But growing up, like, I'll never forget, like, you know, okay, you got to understand something. I know there's some teenagers in the room here today. When I was a teenager and I had to get woken up in the morning to go to school, I was about the last person that you wanted to be around in the morning, okay? I don't know how many of you can relate to that. But I, I'll never forget my dad every single day growing up. Every single day, I, I woke up to the smell of the pot of coffee that he made. And I knew that if there was some reason that was against the will of God that I had to be downstairs before 7 a.m., that I was going to see my dad sitting at the kitchen table, reading his devotions, reading his Bible, drinking his coffee. I knew that when I went back upstairs at any point, I was going to see my mom doing the same. But my dad set this example, and he set the tone for our family. And he did this every single day, and it didn't spark me to do anything when I was a teenager, didn't spark me to do anything immediately. But guess what? I've never forgotten it. And, and right before he was about to leave every day for work, which again was probably right about when I was starting to get ready for the day, he would call my brother and I into their bedroom and say, hey, we're going to pray before I go to work. And I don't know how many of you have, have, like, when you're cranky in the morning, like, certain triggers that just get under your skin like the smell of somebody's deodorant or cologne that just like instantly gives you a headache or like the way they're saying their S's, it like pierces your ears for some reason. Um, so like there was times that I had those days like where, man, maybe I'm just gonna, uh, maybe I'm getting frustrated with my dad, maybe I'm just being cranky, whatever the case may be, but we show up, we sit in there and the worst thing was when my dad was like, hey Sarah, why don't you pray for us? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, because I want to talk to God right now. I'm embarrassed to even be sitting next to him. What are you talking about? But we did this every single day, the same exact thing. We'd go into the bedroom and we'd pray. And the things that we'd pray back then, and I had no idea this would happen, but those things that we would pray back then are the same things that I now pray over my wife, my kids, over every single one of you as I'm walking on the treadmill, just going through my prayer journal, I pray the same things that my dad used to pray, that God would enlarge our territory, that he would keep us from evil, that we may not cause pain, that we would be wise, strong, discerning leaders among our peers, that we'd be full of wisdom and stature and favor with God and with man. Those things that I know in my heart, in my mind, that my dad taught to us, they've never left. And that's because my dad decided at some point that he wanted to be somebody worth following, right? He wanted to be somebody to leave a legacy and set an example that is worth following. And the main thing throughout all that, consistency, stay in the course. My dad is probably the most maddeningly consistent person you'll ever meet. If you ever see him, he plays the drums here every once in a while because um, they, come, they come down from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. But he's the most maddeningly consistent person in the world. He still reads the same devotions in the same Bible that are falling apart down in his little area where he practices drums and goes through his morning routine. He's maddeningly consistent. But you know what? That's what's required to be a follower of Jesus. 
you got to be the most consistent person, and you got to stay the course. Don't give up. And it's not going to be easy, right? When you decide to truly repent, when you decide to go the other way, when you make a decision to follow Jesus, when you make that decision to get baptized or to join a dream team or to start giving or tithing to the church, do you want to know what you can expect immediately? Opposition. And in order to be a follower of Jesus and to be somebody worth following, you got to expect opposition. Opposition is going to come in many different forms, and you won't see that prosperity that Proverbs 21.5 talks about without opposition. You're going to get distracted. You might get physically sick or injured. Your circumstances may get worse. You're going to be tempted to go back to your old way of living and be like, you know what, screw this. Like, I didn't realize a relationship with Christ is going to be this hard, you know? You might be tempted to turn to any number of vices, habits, or prior addictions. The devil is going to play defense. Expect it. Expect the devil to play defense whenever you go on the offense. Who plays defense against Michael Jordan? The best player on the other team. And why is that? They want to take him out of the game. They don't want Michael Jordan to score. They'd rather he be here. If you have seen the documentaries, if, you have, uh, if you've been educated on the history of Michael Jordan, you may understand that teams used to actively try to injure him to get him taken out of the game because he was that big of a difference maker. And you're meant to be that in the kingdom of God. But expect that the devil's going to play defense. And you know something? Knowing that opposition is coming doesn't necessarily make it easier, does it? But what it does do, it allows you to re-strategize the way that you're going to play offense. Because as followers of Jesus, we don't play defense. We fight from victory, not for victory. We're always on offense. We're always on offense. But you got to expect that opposition. you got to know that someone's going to be playing defense. And when you have that, man, it may not make it easier, but you're a lot less likely to get wiped off the battlefield. I'll tell you that much. The strategy is going to be the same for every single one of us. To tie it back to Lord of the Rings a little bit, when Frodo gets the ring, right, and he starts heading off to Mordor, what is the entire trilogy of Lord of the Rings about? Frodo facing opposition. He's facing opposition all the way there. In all different forms and kinds. I was, tell, I was giving the message to my son, Cruz, yesterday as I was kind of just, he was hanging out with me in the basement. I was walking on the treadmill. He's messing around doing some stuff. And uh, I asked that question as though, you know, I'm, I'm preparing. And I'm like, what did Frodo face all the way to Mordor? And he's like, the bad guys. And I'm like, you're on the, you got it there, kid. You, you, you get it. And I know, I know that he's, man, when I know that he knows facts about Lord of the Rings, man, that just... That's a parenting W, I'll tell you that much. But expect opposition. To be someone worth following, you gotta expect the opposition, you gotta armor up. And to be someone worth following, man, you gotta realize the ball is in your court. The ball is in your court. This is a team sport, right? We're all on the same team. We're all parts of a body. But the ball is in your court individually as a follower of Christ to become somebody worth following. It's on you to make that right decision when you're faced with temptation, and there's always gonna be a way out. He always provides you a way out, but you gotta make the right decision. It's on you to reach out and encourage somebody rather than constantly waiting and to be the one that gets encouraged, right? You gotta reach out to somebody and encourage them. It's on you to be diligent 
in prayer every single day. And Pastor Monty mentioned it, but man, can't wait for next week's series to start. Fast forward faith on prayer and fasting and the importance of it and the importance of doing it all together. But it's on you to be diligent in prayer. It's on you to be reading God's word every single day, right? It's not my responsibility to to check in on every single one of you and be like, hey, are you reading your word today? You gotta be somebody that can be trusted with that responsibility and that, that, that gift that God has given you to be a good steward of the time that we have to get closer to him, to love him enough to get into the word every single day. It's on you to take the initiative and serve in church, to serve in your community, to take the high road and forgive that person that you've been harboring unforgiveness toward. It's on you to admit that you were wrong about something and to truly change course. Follow me as I follow Christ, right? If you had to list out the ways, I mean, how are you following Christ right now, today? I mean, you're here, that's huge. How are you following Christ in your everyday life? What are you doing in the secret place that none of us here see, but that God knows? How are you setting the example when nobody else is watching? I also wanna ask this question. In what areas do you feel like you're saying no to God actively? Maybe you know that, man, I've said yes to a lot of things. I'm doing the, I'm doing the groups. I'm doing the dream team. Um, I, I said yes to following Jesus. What areas are you saying no actively to God? What, what things have you said, oh, I'll pray about it as a way to mask your no? And you're not saying no to whatever person asked you to do something. You know in your heart that you're saying no to God. I know I've been there. I know that was me when Monty first asked us to move to Omaha. He, he talked about, he cast the vision of planting a church in Omaha, one of the fastest growing areas of, of the city and all these type of things. And all I could think about was, okay, how mad is my wife gonna be at me for even asking this question? And number two, how can I say no without Monty being mad at me, <laughs> you know? And, and so what did I slap on that one at the end of that conversation? I'm gonna pray about it. And that's not a bad thing to do, but I wasn't actually saying, I'm gonna pray about it as though like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actively consider what you're asking me to do. This is a huge deal. I was saying, I'll pray about it as a way to not have to say no in the moment when I had already said no right here. And how many of you had do- have done that to God? How many of you have done that to him when he's asking you to do something? To get to the point of being able to say, follow me as I follow Christ, and I do believe that we're meant to get to that point, it's gonna require surrender you gotta realize that you gotta choose a master. There's gonna be opposition. You gotta stay consistent. So just like Frodo, when he receives the ring, you gotta ask the question, what must I do? What is your action step today? The ball is in your court. It's time to go from being a fan of Jesus to being a follower of Jesus. You can wear the T-shirt all you want. It's what you do that makes a difference for eternity. The t-shirt's not gonna do anything. I can't go and score 60 points for the Chicago Bulls, but I could play my part. I can do my thing. I can do my role and play my part in the body. For some of you, your first step is gonna be making that decision to follow Jesus today. And if that's you, I wanna encourage you to fill out a green connect card and let us know that you're doing that because being somebody worth following means that you're not doing this alone. And we can't. We can't walk with Christ alone. That's why I believe over 700 people have made that decision here at Meadows Church. 
and there's going to be probably 350 or so people here today. The reason for that is, is because you make that decision to follow. You put on the jersey, but you don't know what your next step is after that. And so if you've made that decision to follow Jesus or you're making it today, I would say put your money where your mouth is and grab one of those blue cards as well, a dream team card. You see people all around this building today wearing dream team t-shirts, sweatshirts, there's, there's even different shirts for different dream teams. You see people serving around the church, and we do that very intentionally because we want you to see that there's people who have said, I'm not just going to wear the Michael Jordan jersey. I'm going to get the one that has my name on the back, and I'm going to play my part in the team. So I want to challenge you. If you've never done that before, or if you've been considering it for a long time, even if you're making a first-time decision today, take that next step and fill out the blue card and make that decision to... to Put some feet to your faith. It's hard to say you're truly surrendered to Jesus if you're not serving the way he served, right? We gotta serve Jesus. He came to serve, not to be served. You're being followed. You're making an impression. Maybe you haven't been leading well. Maybe that's something that's really hard for you. But guess what? Today's a new day. Today's a day that you can begin steadily plotting in the right direction steadily plotting toward prosperity. Yeah, there's going to be opposition. There's going to be attacks from every side. But do you want to know that our church's name, Meadows, comes from Psalm 23? And do you know that our God, he sets a table in the presence of our enemies? You want to know why he does that? He ain't worried about it. He's victorious. He's already won that battle. And so we can take comfort in knowing that we fight for victory together, arm in arm with Jesus, joined with him forever. We're going to do something today and going forward every first Sunday of the month that we we don't do a ton here at Meadows Church, but we want to start making it part of uh, not just routine or habit, but we want to be intentional. And it's communion. Many of you know that we offer communion in our prayer room every single week, but it's kind of sporadic where we take it together as a church family. So I want to invite the the ushers to come, and you can bring the elements forward. You're going to be dismissed as the church, row by row, to come and partake of communion. And what this is is, man, do some research on communion. It's crazy. A lot of times it gets just simplified to the body of Jesus that was broken for the believers and the blood that was shed to establish the new covenant and and things like that. But there's so much more to this. Like, just close your eyes and picture yourself there at the Last Supper where Jesus is sitting at a table with Peter who would go and deny him three times as he was on his way to his death. Picture Jesus sitting at the table with Judas, the one who's gonna betray him, the one that he just washed his betrayer's feet and picture Jesus sitting with the disciples knowing that every single one of them is going to abandon him and he makes a covenant with them the first church if you will he makes a covenant with them and says my body is broken for you my blood is shed for you this this is this is us being unified he's like I know that you're going to fail me Peter I know that you're going to fail me Judas I know that you're all going to abandon me but guess what I am the perfect righteousness that you need. And when we partake of this, man, we join together with Jesus in that. So 
If you're a believer, communion is for you. If you've made that decision to follow Jesus, communion is for you. If you haven't, I would just encourage you to just, just listen to this worship song and contemplate what God's asking you to do right now. Contemplate whether he's asking you to truly follow him. And if you're willing to count that cost and say yes, knowing that it's going to be tough, knowing that it's going to be challenging, but also knowing that it's what you're meant to do because you have a specific role to play. You're supposed to be somebody worth following, not just a fan, but a true follower of Jesus. I'm going to pray, and then the ushers will dismiss you as the band continues to play. God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to to go from being fans to being followers. And I thank you that even though, man, it's, it, it gets hard at times. We may even get discouraged. I thank you that you're there to lift us up. I thank you that you're our shepherd guiding us every step of the way. And I pray that your church would hear your voice today and the voice of a stranger we will not follow. I thank you that you're our provider, that you're our righteousness, that you're our sanctifier, that you make us more and more like you the closer we get to you, Jesus. You're our healer. You're everything. And you're our close companion. You never leave us. You never forsake us. We're the ones you love. We're the ones that you died for. And I just pray that we receive that in our heart of hearts today. God, you're good. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. Like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend or somebody that you know. So many people out there need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring that to them. Finally, if you're in the Omaha area, we would love to have you join us. We would love to meet you. God bless you.